0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tuesdays with Tony, a monthly podcast where we discuss all things on the curriculum of life. For in the school of life, while some people have life coaches, others, like myself, Tasha Caulfield, have life professors like Tony. So if you consider yourself a student of life, feel free to join us in enjoying Lunch with the Professor, where you can ponder and explore everything under the sun and no topic is off limits. Now let's dive into this episode, okay, shall we? So, but all jokes aside, that was just traumatic for anybody watching that game. Um, mm-hmm. Hamlin collapsing after the tackle, uh, and and it, you know, and, and the game just stopped. It's suspended. They haven't set a date yet for it to continue. He had cardiac arrest in it, and they you know revived his heart. And you know, when me and you discussed it. It reminded you of another time. Hank this Gathers. A, what's his name?
1: Hank, Hank Gathers.
0: Hank Gathers. So what happened there?
1: Um, well, he was playing for the loyal Marymount, and that was uh, 1990. He, uh, uh, Great player. I mean, this is one of the few players. In fact, I'm not certain he's not the only player who actually led the nation in scoring and rebounding. Like two years in a row he was he was something else and of course he played for loyal of marymount with paul Westphal, who um he basically ran it like an nba program mm-hmm. um no defense you know 10 se- you hold the ball for 10 seconds you shoot it and you know and because of that i mean that team you know would score 140 150 points i mean they they, they were they were massive, and That's he crazy. was the best player. But um, they were, he had had some uh, Hank had Hank Gathers had had some heart issues, mm-hmm. uh, irregular heartbeat issues, and but he continued to play. Um, and in the game, it was I want to say it was like a Saturday afternoon. I was watching a different game, and. Uh, it was an, a bulletin that came on and said, you know, Hank Gathers, you uh, has collapsed on the court, and you know, he died right there on the court. You know, it was it was so tragic, and you know, this big man who had been such a you know such a force uh, to to see you know that kind of a life come to end, and then you know, when you when you're talking about what happened on Monday night. I actually had had a, a friend tell me about, you know you know me, I used to, I still do sometimes do martial arts, you know, Taekwondo, mm-hmm. that in Chinese martial arts, there's supposedly a punch where you hit them just at the right spot mm. in the chest mm-hmm. and it causes the heart to stop. Right and it made you think of that sort of thing but i mean the guy doesn't sound like you know he's in the best condition of his life well that was the um, thing
0: that was interesting too because you know when we talked about it you know and, and there's people going this is why i would never let my kid play tackle football this is da, da, da. and you mm-hmm. told me an example of a swimmer a 20 year old swimmer and um, that you were what was it your kids thing
1: um yeah my son used to swim for a club team. Well, they had a Chinese swimmer there by the name of Ariel, Ariel, that's the name that she went by, Wen Zhu. And uh, she, uh, basically she was in practice, I think it was practice, um, and uh, she suffered a, a seizure. And died right there on the pool deck mm, yeah. and it was it was pretty traumatic um so but, i mean this is a person who is in incredible shape right um uh i mean
0: the seizures are connected it, to um like other like neurological things right mm-hmm. so yeah and you, yeah. you
1: never know i mean uh, right. keep in mind one of the things about swimming in a swimming pool is kids hit their heads i mean mm-hmm. they i i you know I've, I've been a usa swim official and um i've actually i've actually seen kids who did something in the pool i mean as in they i i, I remember one time uh that one of the coaches actually jumped into the pool mm-hmm. to pull someone out because they had they had gone into some sort of convulsion Jeez. in the pool Um and you know and then you know the whole con- concussion protocol if i as a swim official see some kid hit their head you know they're on the backstroke okay. and they don't know where that wall is and they bash their head into the wall i immediately have to pull them out of the pool and have them put into the concussion protocol i mean okay. it's just the way it has to be because you never know what's going to happen i'm not sure right. the exact reason or the exact thing but, uh, I mean, it was just truly tragic. And, and and these things happen. As far as I know, there is only one time in history that an NFL player actually died. Now, now I've seen neck injuries. I've seen head injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Byrd is a perfect example of that where he basically had a broken neck and, and, and died in fact, on the he, I think He didn't die he he lived for several years but he was a paraplegic um but the only one that i know of for a fact that died on the field was a guy named chuck hughes in 1971. Uh, it was the chicago bears against the detroit lions and keep in mind back then they didn't have the kind of medical personnel that they have at football stadiums now Mm. I mean they had an ambulance okay the guys come up take them out on they the ambulance hospital whereas now
0: waterboy operated at, it. At now <laughs> that's
1: not really that far off <laughs> but honestly nowadays I mean they have I mean they really have a they have a practically a small medical center. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have doctors there ready to go. I mean, the guy, the reason that uh, Hemlin is alive today was because they had paramedics there right. with a full suite of yeah, emergency equipment to mm. keep him alive. Yeah. Had they not had that, he would have been player number two to have died on the field
0: you know you have had more experience with you know medical issues you know i just had my first big one with my sister Mm -hmm. you know in the coma um in this this past summer and then passing away about a month ago so i got you know a big crash course on certain types of things i've heard people who were older who like oh i had you know a heart attack or i've had three heart attacks or whatever or something like that to where you're like oh i guess you know i guess it's just an episode you know, like you like it threw up one day <laughs> and then you get to go on and there's no thing, but you're saying that there are actually like are like are things that can happen after you have a heart attack that could prevent you from doing certain physical activities again?
1: Well, you know, a lot of things that happen during a heart attack, if you have a real big heart attack, it a lot of times will damage your heart and where you don't have nearly the function in the heart. My mother, uh... had a heart attack Uh, what am i saying my mother had seven heart attacks in her lifetime (laughs) Uh, but the first one difference (laughs) the first one was um, i was seven years old uh... she was thirty six and uh... she had this heart attack and i remember the doctor was talking to us and he said you know the kind of heart attack she has, the kind that men usually have, then they call them widow makers. <laughs>
0: That's He had yeah, bedside manner. <laughs> oh my
1: God. Yeah, well, and he did. Well, the thing about it is, is back then, doctors still made house calls. Mm. And he actually came to our home to talk to us about what was going on. Again, he was a friend of the family. We, we had known him for my entire life, and my father and mother had known him for even longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um but um uh, in a case like a a widowmaker heart attack in her case almost half of her heart didn't even function anymore and you never know that's you know scary. he may, he may come out of this and uh, he may come out of this and be just fine and be able to pass every test but there'll be the lingering worry you know right and i I mean, it may be a lingering worry of his own mm, um, mm. and uh you know i i hope one, I hope he comes out of the hospital, yeah, uh because even though they're they're talking this morning about their positive signs um uh and the fact that the guy is in great physical condition mm-hmm. um I mean, if you're a young athlete but but think about this. You know, all these old people that say, well, I had a heart attack and I'm doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And I do know people. In fact, one of my best friends just had a major heart attack and spent, I think it was like four months in the KU Medical Center uh, simply because, you know, he and, and, you know, he's doing fine now. But is he going to be able to be a world-class athlete again? I mean, um, I mean, it, you know, even even things like, is he going to be able? I mean, I know this guy. He used to play tennis three or four mm-hmm. days, if, three or four times a week. Is he going to be able to get out there and in the hot sun and chase tennis balls and stuff like that? I, I'm not sure, and I don't think he knows. I do know that that his his activity has gone from running to walking, mm-hmm. simply because he doesn't. He doesn't have nearly the energy he had before.
0: See, this is what's so crazy. And this is, you know, like when you're young, you don't think about it, these things, unless, you know, you had a friend close to you or something who had, you know, some strange issue and now all of a sudden you learn about these things and then you, you're getting older and you're like, oh my goodness, like how terrifying is that? is one of the reasons why I like talking to you about these kind of things is because, you know, for a lot of us this is our first time seeing something like this and i know and i i think dr drew posted something online about you know oh another you know blah, and people thought oh how you know wow, how insensitive da, da 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 um but when you're older you've some things don't become the first time you've seen it and it's not that it's any less tragic but you still like you're you know it's it it hits different and I, you know, and now this isn't the first, so for me, this is the first time I've experienced this in my life or whatever. And then I wonder like, wow, I'm going to be older one day and it'll happen again. Or, you know, I hope not, but it might. And, but what does that, what does that feel like, like from the first time you see it versus the second or the third time you see it? Like, how does it. Change your perspective as you get older, and you start witnessing more deaths and things like that. Because, like I said, I just experienced my first major one, and I'm completely traumatized by it. Still having nightmares from it. When this Hamlin thing happened, I'm crying because I just spent, you know, months in a hospital. So I know what the family's going through. And so it's just like, you know, but you know, you imagine, and I hate to say it, but you almost hope you be, you know, you can get to a place where. You're like, "Okay, you know this happens, and da 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 da, but how do you how do you cope with tragedies over and over? And over
1: well, again? you know, based on my history, uh having worked most of my life in long term care, it's mm-hmm. like I tell people I've lost more friends than most people ever have in their in their life, yeah, um because you that was you've... that started at a very early age. I mean, I you know, I I was brought up in a nursing home literally. I was my babysitters were you know, two old ladies that <laughs> that would come over and watch us. Um and, uh, and the older ladies, let's not get too out there. And, yeah,
0: because you guys owned like assistant living facilities and things like that. Well, so. we
1: owned nursing homes back when I was a kid. As a okay. matter of fact, the, the history of the family is we, are, we owned nursing homes. They used to be called rest homes mm-hmm. uh, back before there were any rules and regulations in the state of Missouri. Um, uh, so... It was before we, you know, anybody was really keeping an eye on things. So I'll never forget them. I had two, uh, and one of my um, babysitters, she wasn't that old. Um, but back in the uh, 1950s and 1960s, if, a, if a, a girl got up to being about 30 years old, right. they were considered old maids. Yeah, yeah. And so they would, uh, in fact, uh, uh, her mother decided, well, she'll never get married, so uh, the lady was, I think, 28 years old, and they put her in our nursing home. Um, wow! Yeah, and, she, and as as far as I know, uh, even when we sold the nursing homes then, back uh, 30 years later, she was still living in one of the nursing homes. Um, but, uh And then there was an older lady who um, um, I don't, yeah, you know, it was, it was a different time. Very um, different. <laughs> very different time. Yeah, but, it. but, you know, I, I, I learned a lot of stuff from them, but, you know, you never quite get used to it. Um, mm. you know, I've lost a lot of family members in my lifetime, including both my parents. In fact, one parent, uh, my mother, I was only, uh, what was it? I was only 13 years old when she passed away, mm. um, and she died at the age of 44 so every single one of us five kids when we got to 44 we were like right. are we gonna make it past 44 right. but then again she grew up in that era of you know it was cool to smoke mm. and she smoked like a chimney uh i mean she i i don't know how many times in my whole life i ever saw her without a cigarette even after she had a heart attack so
0: it was lung cancer that she passed? with.
1: No, she died of, uh, she actually died of, of uh, of, uh, heart issues. I was going to uh, say
0: with the seven heart attacks, if, if, you know, it was lung, lung cancer. cancer. <laughs> you no, know, she,
1: she didn't have, as far as I know, she didn't. Um, okay. But she was probably well on the way considering, you know, right, but right. anyway, um, smoked? Yeah. but, uh, no, you don't ever get in, in, and, and whenever you look at NFL football, um, First off, you know I've told you this many times. I was very adamant at the very beginning. My son is not playing football. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he would have had to sneak out and not let me know. And and keep in mind, I grew up on football. I mean, I played football. I've told you the story. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I grew up when I was seven years old. I kept telling people I want to grow up to be a Green Bay Packer. I want to be. I want to block for Bart Starr. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know he was long gone before i would have been old enough uh i would have been uh, i would have been blocking for lynn yeah Dickey. nobody
0: told you how that worked exactly you're like yeah i'm gonna yeah. i want to block for the current uh <laughs> yeah when i'm seven years old yeah. and he's like
1: you know 30 um but uh but you know uh i loved football and I remember back then, I loved the part, my favorite part of it was landing a good hit on somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, I was an offensive lineman and I just want to smash everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, then again, you know, I also can tell you I suffered from several concussions. Uh, yeah, I mean I I was anyone laid out. now
0: could tell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. I
1: I was I was laid out on the field several times, but you know I I actually had almost as many concussions as a goalkeeper in soccer uh, when I was in college. Um, I, I mean, you know, you get to be a little crazy, and they're not as controlled, and so I'd get kicked in the head. I'd run into a goalpost. <laughs> I. I'd, get knocked over and bash my head up against the ground. And you, you wanted
0: know. to deny your son all of that all that fun. <laughs> the but,
1: the head. but keep in mind, back then, you know, even in in the NFL, even though we're talking nineteen seventy one, you know, Chuck Hughes dies on the field. Mm-hmm. But at the back then, I don't think they hit that hard. They didn't if you are an NFL player You work all year round. I mean, you work on your craft. You lift weights. You do all the work. If you don't, you're not going to be in the NFL. So the players today are bigger, faster, stronger, and hit harder than they did back in the 60s. I mean, let's take, for instance, someone like Bart Starr. Bart Starr, great quarterback. I don't know if he would have be a great quarterback in this era. But I mean, he didn't, NFL players didn't make enough money to be able to do nothing but be NFL players year round. So whenever he was in his off season, he'd go off and he'd either sell insurance or (laughs) be a real estate agent or something like that. They could not afford to, you know, to be just nothing but an NFL player. And here's the thing about football: there are a lot of football purists, and and this gets back to our original talk about uh, Demar Hemlin. You know, there are a lot of purists that are like, well, they just don't hit like they used to. <laughs> you know, they aren't, they aren't, they aren't out there football is meant to be violent when they get out of that game they should feel like they were in four car accidents (laughs) (laughs) well the thing about it is is i look at it i'm like we don't want people with head injuries we don't really want people who get killed we don't want to (laughs) see we don't want to see somebody you you don't want to see somebody getting out there and and losing their career like that. Right, not at now, all. Now, I will say the Demar Hem, Hemlin thing or am I saying that right? I think it's Hemlin. I will say, I, I will say that to me is a freak accident. Mm-hmm. That is not something. I mean I've never seen it before. I'm 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 in my 60s and I've never seen anything like that before. Mm. And you know, so I can't say that's going to be the case. But let me ask you a question. Well, let me tell you a story first. Do you know why the AFL, this is back in the 1960s, why the AFL became so popular and was able to, one of, one of the reasons, there were many reasons, but one of the reasons why the AFL had such good competition against the NFL and by AFL, and,
0: you're referring to arena football,
1: correct? No, no, no. I'm talking about American Football League. That's now oh. the AFC. Oh, the, Back okay. in so the 1960s, that, yeah, you had back. the AFL and the NFL the American Football League and the, uh, the uh, National Football League. Mm-hmm. Well, the difference was in the AFL, they realized they've got to put a really good product on the field or they're not going to be able to compete. Hmm. So they, their offenses were much more open. They were like, you know, Daryl LaMonica, the mad bomber. He actually just died this last year, by the way. I mean, he, he was quarterback for the uh, Oakland Raiders. And, I mean, it wasn't strange for him to step back and throw that 60. That's why they call it the bomb the mad bomber, because he would step back and throw the bomb. And that was what uh, Al Davis dubbed that kind of pass. It was exciting. Whereas you had the NFL, and, and keep in mind I was an NFL fan because I was a Packers fan, but it was three yards and a cloud of dust, a lot of running the ball right up the middle and running around the end, the the the. Packers sweep, you know, but a, it was a very ground-oriented game. I think the better athletes were on the in the NFL, but the better play was in the AFL. And because of that, they were able to eventually get to where they had to merge the two leagues, and they started playing similar games. I am not unhappy with the rule changes uh, that make the sport or the game – not so much less violent, but less apt to cause long term right. injuries. Right. You know, I was an offensive lineman, but I was an offensive lineman back in the time when you couldn't you couldn't put your arms out wide. Your your hands had to be in. Mm. You couldn't grab the jersey. I mean, honestly, nowadays I would love to be an offensive lineman today.
0: All right, says the man who would not let his child play football. So
1: Yeah well here's the thing with I that. was a football player from the childhood. Yeah. <laughs> though I wanted to be honestly, had my parents pushed baseball, I would have played baseball. I love base. I I loved playing baseball. Uh but my your dad was, was a football,
0: football guy. Football. Um, practice um,
1: after practice my gosh
0: yeah so but it's interesting because you do have parents saying oh I would never let my kid play that and my mom was one of those people who didn't let my brother play and he snuck to play it and it completely Mm -hmm. changed his life and you know everything he has now um, you know is he owes to football most of the time you're probably just protecting them because for the vast majority of kids it's it's, gonna go on to you know, have a career in it or, or it won't save them from a life of drugs or anything like that <laughs> or, or streets but, and stuff like, my, like, you know, my but brother. But think
1: about this. The one thing I have to say about football is it is a road out for so many. Yeah. And it's not ones that make it to the NFL because a very small percentage of people are uh, who even make it to college make it to the pros Mm -hmm. I mean it's a it's a tiny percentage really but what it does give them is okay let's say they're not an athlete to get into the transfer portal and go here and there and be Mm -hmm. like uh, JT Daniels who's going to be playing for his fourth team there
0: you go picking on JT Daniels (sighs)
1: Well, you, you know, it's really interesting to me how many how many uh, former uh, USC quarterbacks are jumping from team to team to team now. They're but, lost
0: without us, poor things.
1: Well, Kevin Slovis is, left Pitt. I don't know where he's ended up yet, but
0: a couple of them be okay though. in then
1: but you know, the ones who are not going to be hitting the transfer portal, it gives them the opportunity. To go to a four-year university, and sometimes a really good four-year university, get a really good education, and hopefully have something to to market their life and to change their life. Mm-hmm. Sports in the United States is the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. It gives them the chance if they take it seriously and they do it right. Um, to change their life, it is it is generationally change, changing mm-hmm. uh, for for a person. Yeah. I mean, how many how many of these guys are the first person that ever went to college mm. in their family? Yeah, um, and
0: now you combine that with the fact that they're starting to introduce finance classes earlier, you know, in high school, whatever. I think that that's going to be even more beneficial because it's only becoming more and more lucrative, um, you know, of a of an industry as we see now with the college players and all these deals and stuff like that. But if you throw a bunch of money at you know people who don't have training on how to actually manage it, things can go really really bad. So yeah, yeah so
1: there's a well, and you know, if you look at uh, like in this in my state, it is for years there was one high school class that was require, required and it was called Liberty and Law. And that was basically knowing about the Constitution, about about the history of your state, the U.S. Constitution, this, <laughs> you know, Constitution here. Now, the other class that is required in in the state of Missouri is um, personal finance. Mm. You, It doesn't matter if you go to a public high school or a pro- private high school you're required to have a um, semester of personal finance and i think yeah. that is I, that has got to be one That's, of the best classes that yes. i can think of that that a high school student needs is you know how do you manage your money how do you keep your money how do you invest your money it's going to make I mean, for much 6 better. months is much but or 4 no. months is much but still it's more than i got
0: Well, it's going to make for much better citizens too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and so you would think, why wouldn't governments do that before knowing that if you had people who were better at managing their, managing their finances, that they wouldn't be better citizens, not just within their own households and, and within their community, but you even prevent, um, you know, housing collapses like we had in 2008 and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You had a bunch of people, and it's not people go, oh, the greedy Wall Street, and da 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 da. You had a greedy America. You had a bunch of people buying homes they could not afford, and mm-hmm. that's how you got that. So, you, you know, yeah, you can have a handful of bad characters, but we had a we had a massive amount of people who bought into this idea that they were that they, you know, deserved a house just by breathing. <laughs> so yeah. so, it was okay to fudge your finances and your numbers and these forms and stuff like that because you deserve a house, you deserve the American dream or whatever. And yeah, you do deserve it, but you have to actually work for it and afford it and you know do it in a way that's responsible to you. So well, I, and, yeah, you and you, could.
1: you know there were a lot of bad actors, but you're, you're right. I mean there there are people oh. who were not prepared to be homeowners. A lot
0: of and I want to see that documentary. I don't. I we saw we've seen the bad actors on Wall Street and and in government and stuff. Like like that I want to see the one that addresses you <laughs>
1: well, the, for the, um, the
0: average person who was out there buying a house they couldn't afford. I want to see that one.
1: Well, I think I've given I've told you this example. I'm not sure if I ever not, you know, my father used to have all these old, these old houses that he'd sell, and he'd sell them on what was called a contract for deed. It wasn't a deed. He still was owner of the house. He was basically selling it to them kind of as a like a lease-to-own right, program. Right, a little bit like that. Man. Um, and then, but uh, all of a sudden, back in about 2005, people started coming into his place and, paying off the houses and I mean we're not talking little amounts of money here we're talking about you know or little numbers of houses we're talking 150 houses going from 150 to 20 people just paying them off and I mean these mortgages weren't huge they were you know 20 30 40 50 thousand dollars so they weren't huge amounts of money
0: back then that was kind of huge like with inflation that's close to a hundred thousand
1: well, today yeah but uh one example and I, because one of the things my father taught me how to do was track foreclosures and and you know so i don't i haven't really been involved in a, the foreclosure market since the 1980s but i still look at the court newspaper to see what's out there i have never seen so many in my life. The court newspaper in, in, in my county is usually four pages. At the height of the 2008, 2009, 2010 housing and financial crisis, mm-hmm. it was 28 pages. Yeah, It was, and that, almost all those, it was four, four pages just the list of foreclosures yeah. before going and having the detailed trustee sales one that came up was somebody who had paid off her house Um, and this was a little house that I I think he she had about forty thousand dollars against it she walked in one day and she said "She said to my father you know here's a check for the balance paid it off a year later I see the name and see the house in the uh, court, you know, in the foreclosure list. That forty thousand dollar house where she paid off forty thousand dollars had a hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars against it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what had happened was the mortgage company had gone, mortgage broker had gone out, done an, it, done a an appraisal on the house. And had said oh this house is worth this amount but we're gonna give you 125% of the value mm. the lady never made a payment she had she didn't have, she had barely enough money to make payments on a forty thousand dollar mortgage, let a loan, right. let alone a hundred seventy nine thousand dollar mortgage, which, by the way, they gave her one hundred percent financing. Yeah. No down payment.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It was. So I'm I'm for more states doing following Missouri's lead and requiring mm-hmm. uh, finance. Personal finance classes starting from high school, even better. Well, no, not middle school because kids' brains don't really think that well. And that's the, the yeah, hormones yeah. are changing. But to, okay, okay. Mike final question, but you know, you if you have more to say, you, we can talk no, about no, it.
1: No, no, I'm fine. As a matter of fact, okay. I, I, the final question. This is. Yeah. This sounds like final Jeopardy.
0: <laughs> All right. Given how things are moving along in today's day and age with us having trouble with disturbing uh, things, images, words, all sorts of stuff. Seeing what happened with Hamlin, um, I don't think it's going to happen right now because we're, we're, this would be too radical, but I can see a situation where people might start calling for football to be canceled. If you have another, Death on the field, like the guy who passed away a couple of decades ago on the field, or whatever. If you were to have that today, um, you know, especially God forbid during the Super Bowl. And I hate to say that that would make a difference, but you know, how many more eyes are on it, and the bigger the game, we just live in a crazy world where stuff like that matters. Uh, you know, what 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 do we do? Do we cancel football?
1: No, I I don't see football going. You don't see away. football being
0: canceled.
1: Keep in mind. Um, Football was a much more dangerous game back in the early 1900s, late to 1800s, to the point that Theodore Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, Mister Rough Rider, you know, you know, Mister Boxing with bare knuckles, Mm -hmm. actually called for football to be banned because of, you know, the number of of major injuries and deaths. And keep in mind, they didn't wear pads, they didn't wear helmets in the 1800s and 1900s. I think, I think he did that after, I want to say it was like seven or eight deaths in college football that year. Mm-hmm. He called for the, for the abolishment of the game. And, uh, and had it not been that a a rule book was brought out and that rule book was, I think it was Pop Warner was the guy that wrote it. I could be wrong. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Um, if it hadn't have been for that and for the game to become much more manageable and a little less violent and deadly, um, we might not have football today. But I don't know uh, how...
0: I don't, I'm not, I don't know how good of a argument that as far as non-cancellation, because you have, because people mm-hmm. got, people get canceled for far less today than what people were doing back in the day. Nobody canceled Mussolini's or Hitler's <laughs> or Stalin's. Mm-hmm. Nobody canceled those guys. Um, in fact, they made, um, was it Mussolini Man of the Year? You know, like so. they
1: made uh Hitler uh Time Times man or the Time magazine man of the year too. I
0: thought that was oh yeah, so so we were so so as far as like, well, it was way you know, football was way tougher and you know, rougher back then, we are canceling people for way less now,
1: you know. Well, think about the dangerous sports we have out there. Almost every sport is dangerous. I mean take definitely for can instance, be. T- take for instance baseball. Um, you know, uh the Cardinals farm team here, um, they play in the Texas league. Um, I want to say it was about maybe seven, eight years ago. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was the, uh, first base coach had turned his back to home plate. Foul ball hits him in the base of the neck, kills him. Baseball's a dangerous sport. Um, I've told you this, uh, you know, I I had a lady sitting next to me who wasn't paying attention to the game. Foul ball comes up, hits her in the face, in the (laughs) nose. My, you know, my son was four years old at the time. Baseball is a dangerous sport. Car racing. I mean, think about, you know, Dale Earnhardt. You know, a lot of us, it was the first race of the season, Daytona. It's the last lap of the Daytona 500, and he is trying to protect his teammate and ends up going head on into the wall, kills him. I mean, skiing. I mean, skiing is a dangerous sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Th- th- What was it a few years ago? It was the Vancouver Olympics. They're doing a uh, test run of the loose track. Guy goes off the loose track, runs into a concrete pillar, kills him. Mm -hmm. No one's talking about canceling the Olympics. Um, And and football, even though football has a lot of injuries, generally overall, they have been very proactive to make sure that there aren't the catastrophic injuries, mm-hmm. um, though. I mean, you also do have catastrophic injuries. I mean, uh, Teddy Bridge- Bridgewater is lucky to still be playing football mm-hmm. because of the the leg injury he had. It pra- it almost he almost lost his leg over that. I mean, right. you know you you have. I, I think... don't see the the I don't see that they will cancel football. I see them regulating football a little bit more to try to make it l- a little less dangerous but but i i think the 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 um hamlin um DeMar hamlin injury is something of a freak accident i mean I mean, right. how many deaths have we had in the NFL? One, I, and that was back in the 1970s.
0: I agree, but most of what people get canceled for are one-offs uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Roseanne says one thing. This versus what? You know, it's you know people just want one thing, and football, by design, is to is is designed to be a more you know dangerous sport. It's that's kind of the the allure of it. Um, than the other ones. And so, and, and then you have a bunch of eyes on it that aren't really, you know, who, who don't really mm-hmm. get that and don't appreciate that aspect of it. You have a lot of uh, mothers, you know, <laughs> dropping their, you know, kids off or, or watching this and they're seeing these things. And, and I'm not sure, I, I don't know if statistically if women call for more things to be canceled than men. I don't know. Um, you know, the whole Simpsons joke is constantly, you know, the the woman during any sort of riot or anything. There's the woman saying, think about the children, think about the children or whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. I just know that, you know, far. I'm concerned about this culture and its and its ability, its lack of ability to deal with anything, um, you know, uncomfortable and you know to and it's reaction to just get rid of it opposed to like you said, you know, try to create a a, a better environment um, mm-hmm. you know so it's,
1: it's uh... I, I there there's there's a couple of issues here that make me think that you know a couple of reasons why I don't think that the NFL's going anywhere. Football's not going anywhere. One is it generates way too much money. Two, it generates way too much opportunity. Um, keep in mind, whenever you start looking at teams and how they can how they can, you know, where their players can have generational fortunes, the NFL is by and away the largest place. I mean, it's a fifty-three man roster. You've got fifty-three people who are I think that the league minimum is over a million dollars now. a rookie playing in the NFL. Rookie contract, Brock Purdy, probably, you know, the guy who's, yeah. who's Mr. irrelevant and is now the starting quarterback for the san Francisco San Francisco 49ers and doing really well. Mm-hmm. the minimum salary for a rookie this, or for last year, I don't know what it is this year. Well, it'd be $750,000. Yeah. Three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah.
0: You
1: know, that's, you're not going to make that anywhere else. And there are 53 of them and there are 30 teams. I mean, that's a lot of people that, that, yeah. that, that's an opportunity for them. Right. You look at, Let's say you're talking about the NBA. Okay, NBA, if you're the great star, you're going to be making you know, contracts of 80, 85, 100 million dollars. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But how many of them are there? You know, right. there're only 5 players on each team playing. You probably only have a bench of maybe 7 or 8 more players. Mm-hmm. Baseball, it's a 25-man roster. Mm-hmm. It's a 40-man roster total, though, because um, they're allowed to carry forty players, but they can only have twenty-five active at any at, in at any given time. But the m uh, the major league baseball minimum is seven hundred thousand dollars. But mm-hmm. you're talking forty people, right? Uh, and keep in mind, if they're on the forty-man roster, they have to be making that mm-hmm. seven hundred thousand dollars. That's the minimum. Um, but Whenever you look at, at the opportunities for an NFL player, um, I don't think that there are that many people who are making the $750,000. And by the way, that goes up $45,000 a year during the, during the contract.
0: I I love the opportunities argument. I think people who would call for cancellation would not necessarily care about that. These are probably a Mm -hmm. lot of the same voices who um, begrudge players for making more money than teachers and nurses and things like that. So you know, I I don't know how convincing that is would be to silence you know that Mm -hmm. that you know that crowd. I do believe money runs the world, so I and it's very lucrative uh, industry. So I do think that it'd be hard to cancel, you know, for that reason alone. But yeah, I you know I I hope you're right. Well, another thing too is
1: if if Damar Hamlin makes this, the -hmm. first thing he's going to say is it wasn't football's fault. I'd almost bet you he'll jump up and he'll say, "If I can play, I will be." back out there i love this game this is the game i was brought up to play and i'm gonna do it
0: and we yeah I, and and i and i don't think anyone blames mm-hmm. football there are a couple of people you know who are going ah this is why i'll never let my kids play tackle sport because of it and you know they're not think they're not even just they're not paying attention to any of the facts but i'm saying it, it reminds you though super bowl game a hit a kill on the field everybody's watching I would not be surprised if there became a cancel football war. That's just all I'm saying.
1: Well, yeah, and and let me give you another example. Uh, you know, my son pl- runs cross country. Well, cr- cross country is a five k race, basically over fields. You know, you're running you're basically running a barnyard or a, not a barnyard, but a, <laughs> a, like a pasture that has a, a track cut in the grass. Mm. And, and Or you're running on a on a golf course or something like that. One of the races he loves to run is the one out at Nixa every year. This year, at the start of the race out at Nixa, it was 100 degrees. They're going to have to run 5k in a hundred degree sunny weather mm-hmm. and I'll tell you there was a part of me that thought someone's not going to do well on this you know that's going to happen but that's just part of the elements you right. know and that's the element of the game and keep in mind they have a lot better equipment than I had when I was playing football um, I think that there are fewer catastrophic injuries than there could be because of the equipment. But as a uh, but parent, anyway, if
0: your kid got heat stroke and passed away in that race, I would be you... very upset. Wait, we... In fact,
1: <laughs> would you? I I work... mean,
0: of course you. But would you sue?
1: No. Oh well, actually, I might. I don't know. <laughs> Luckily for my, for in my case, knock on wood, my son thrives in the heat. But there are a couple of people on his team that just wilt. I don't, I don't think that uh, they're going to cancel football. I don't. Um,
0: I don't think they're going to cancel football. I I think in my lifetime, I would not be surprised if in 20, 30 years, I was describing football to people. (laughs) I I would not. I I don't know. Hopefully the cancel culture is a phase. And hopefully, you know, we're at, hopefully we're near the end of it. I don't know.
1: Well, you know, they, they used to call, um, they used to call, um, Baseball, America's pastime. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not. Mm -mm. Football is America's Mm -hmm. pastime. And that's why they now call it America's game, is simply because it is an all-American game. I mean, it came from rugby, soccer, some of those things. But when it really comes down to it, football is America's game, whereas baseball really goes back to cricket and rounders in, in, in Great Britain.
0: You got to understand the advertisers run, run, run this market. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what everything, that's who you're, that's who you're trying to please. And advertising companies are, are, you know, they, they bow to cancer cancel culture people now. And so Mm -hmm. that's what my fear, it isn't so much about the money or whatever, and they don't do it because they have to they do it because in where they're at places like los angeles when i'm there they they think it's like the cool thing to do it's the shopping at whole foods (laughs) it's the that for them like it's not it's you know that it's a statistic it's i'm i'm we're we're willing to do this this is more important that's why they started to take on you know, social ideas and stuff like that, and corporations <laughs> started to do that. They didn't have to. That became the cool thing to do, and it's just like, and that's what makes me nervous.
1: We'll have to. What we really need to do is um, start a a, a new pa- a, a counterculture platform. <laughs>
0: there know, does, you know, things- who who, who would have thought the the counterculture, the hippydom, and all that stuff would have to escape. YouTube and everything like that, and create something else, not necessarily, you know, something right, right ring, like literally, it would be the hippie (laughs) dumb of, Mm -hmm. you know, of social media where you can actually say stuff and it's not just like, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's just so you could say stuff, not to promote any agenda left or right, but just so that you can talk about stuff, you know? Well,
1: you know, there's a certain, you know, I, I can't agree with hate hate speech. That is just really bad stuff. But nowadays they are putting a lot of things that are just free speech into hate speech. Right. I mean I mean if you say anything that goes contrary to the ruling class mm-hmm. or the people who are running a state or running uh you know, a party, yeah. you are it's hate speech. You hate Democrats. You hate Republicans. No, I don't hate Democrats or Republicans. This is my opinion.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know, and you know, and whenever you get to a point like that, then well, you're uh, the the Bill of Rights is getting thrown out the out the window.
0: And I I'm okay with hate speech, unlike you. <laughs> because... Well, I think
1: that you can get off. You can get way too far off. But yeah, go ahead.
0: I'm, a, the reason why I'm okay with hate speech, <laughs> which is a well, great, identify which is, who's, which which, identifies
1: which is, who's doing which
0: is, it. A, yes, go to my other account. <laughs> 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 no, um, no, the, no, because Because I believe in teaching tolerance, and that's why I'm okay with hate speech. I don't believe the answer is to... If you
1: can't see it, you can't teach that that's not the right Exactly, exactly.
0: So I don't believe the answer is to suppress anybody. You don't have to listen to certain things if they bother you. You don't have to, you know, and you don't have to subscribe to ideas that don't. But if we all learn to be tolerant, we will eventually eliminate hate that way like that's Mm -hmm. the route to it is is creating a culture that accepts it but the fact that people are you know just you can't say this you can't say that you're hating on that person
1: yeah and you know it's it's like one of the exactly what you're saying is if you are you know if someone you know is a bigot you know we understand that you know but if you're hating on them then your speech is hate speech also. I think that's what exactly. you're trying to say. So can I get you I to mean, say
0: I, I like hate speech?
1: No. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> see? see well, and that's the problem. Nobody I will I, join, join I me. Have, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I have, that's the, I see, do have that's a problem thing, with that Me one. and
0: you, okay, technically we're both the silent majority, even though now we're, we started this podcast or whatever. You know, I think one of the reasons why we started it is because, um, because to – too many ex- extreme voices on aren't, aren't good for society at all. We need everybody to start a podcast. We should all mm-hmm. be talking because we can't just let all the extreme people, you know, run the show and let, you know, and, well, and, yeah. and take over whatever, but... The, but here's the thing, I'm not saying I don't, I don't get the nuances of things like that, but for some reason, everybody thinks if you allow, you know, a couple people over here to say, you know, we hate black people or we hate Jewish people or we hate women or we hate, you know, Arabs or whatever that, that, you know, then Hitler all of a sudden is going to give rise and everything like that. And that's not how that worked. Go mm-hmm. learn history. Cause I, I, we don't got time to do do it.
1: You know, I, 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 it was like the guy during the, the last, uh, uh, election who, who was adamant. This is what history. This is how Hitler got. That guy had never read about how the rise of Hitler happened. I can tell, I can guarantee you. It was just the most, I I watched it and I was like, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll probably hear me say this on this podcast from time to time, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, 50% love me, 50% hate me and the other 50% don't care one way or the other. <laughs> 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 you know, that's, that's kind of how I feel about right. it because, you know, I, I, I consider myself to be fairly in the middle of, of the political spectrum. You so- know, I, I, you know i i'm kind of a fiscal person on the republican side i'm kind of a bit social on the democrat side mm-hmm. but when it re- really comes down i'm really right in the middle and of course you know the the political adage is if you're right, walking down the middle of the road someone's going to run over you eventually and that's the problem with the silent majority is in and they are i mean going back to the whole nixon era the silent majority elected him mm-hmm. Is simply that a lot of them are really afraid to, to say what they really, they really feel or believe because you have so many loud voices on the right and you have so many loud voices on the left and you have all these people in the middle who are either afraid or just don't want to talk. Right. Um, or just are trying to tune out both sides simply because they it doesn't fit them at all. And I, and, and and keep in mind you know you're you're talking the coasts in a lot of ways. Right. You know, you the east coast, the west coast, those are tend to be where a lot of the extreme ones except for, you know, we do have Illinois over here. Mm-hmm. But generally overall in the middle of the country, you know, we're just a lot of us are like me, we're just farm boys, the farm boys and girls that, that, you know, were brought up that you respect the flag and you do.
0: And to, and, and, you know, with, with all that said too, I also understand why you would not say I like hate speech Um, because you know that a lot of things are taken as sound bites and a lot of things Mm -hmm. are, um, (laughs) especially you being, a white male, it'll you know that's it's a lot easier to do opposed to with me. You know, at least I they feel might
1: like the minority. Me, yeah, now. at least
0: they might give me you know 30, 20 more seconds to see, see why, but not really because they you know even with Kanye West they took some sound bites and and da 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 and opposed to see he thought we lived in a country where you know there's cognitive dissidents or things like there could be two opposing ideas at once. It doesn't have to be just black and white, but no one gives you that time to explain yourself, you know, um, I mean, Elon I, Musk is trying to give people more, I guess, on Twitter, go, you know, with more characters. <laughs> but real, you know, discussions have to be had. All right, that wraps up this month's episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and join us next month so you can enjoy exploring even more subjects on the Curriculum of Life. And until next time, our fellow schoolmates, stay curious.